Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash own your style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, fam. Laugh a little more, fam. Tight, tighten up your core, fam. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. I get to start today's podcast with some exciting news. Something I've been talking about for a while now is my website, RadioAmy.com. I've kind of just told y'all for a while it's in the works. My name is Amy Brown, but amybrown.com is taken by somebody else. So had to get radioamy.com, which was also taken, but by a squatter. So it was for sale. So I had to buy it from someone, which was a total bummer, but whatever. We did it. And now it's up, y'all. You can go to radioamy.com and I have a website. It's sort of crazy. I'm smiling as I say this because I just can't even believe it. So hopefully that'll be a place where I can send y'all to gather any and all things that I talk about. So it'll have links to the Bobby Bone Show, links to the podcast, stuff for Pimp and Joy and Espoir, and my Amazon page. So instead of sending you tons of different places, I can just say, go to RadioAmy.com. And I'm even going to put up blog posts that'll have recipes that I reference or like 
I put up my hair tutorial from four years ago because people still ask me how to do beach waves. So um, that will be up. So there's lots of things I'm going to use it for. We have bigger plans down the line, but, you know, just a mom and pop shop over here trying to figure this whole thing out. So bear with me if it's not updated as quickly, but I am going to try to stay on top of things. And if you go there now, it actually does work and the links are there. So radioemmy.com, which is exciting, which I mentioned, you can access Pimp and Joy from there. And I will say that we still have all Pimp and Joy proceeds going to tornado relief in Alabama and Georgia. So if you want to help out the people there that really need a little extra joy spread their way right about now, um, they still need it. There was so much destruction and, you know, we really have an opportunity to help out. And the cool thing about Pimp and Joy is you actually get an item that when you get to put it on, you know you made a difference when you bought it. And it's a reminder to choose joy and spread joy. And then all of that money right now is going to Tornado Relief. I've got my sister coming on today. So talked with her about Teenage Rebellion, kind of sharing stuff from our childhood and stuff we did. My sister is now raising a teenage daughter and it's just kind of bringing up okay, how do, how do we handle certain things, certain scenarios that she's now in because she's got a boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. So I brought her on to talk about that and something funny that her and her husband did at dinner with the new boyfriend. Like they sat down and it was like, okay, this is what we expect from you now that you're dating our daughter. <laughs> um, I also have Hunter Mobley on today. He's an Enneagram teacher. And the Enneagram is pretty much a tool that describes nine personality-based approaches to life. So you fall in to one of those numbers, one through nine. On Hunter's website, it says, by understanding our Enneagram type, one of nine numbers, we begin a lifelong journey of spiritual work to move beyond inherited patterns of behavior to wholeness and transformation. Now, he gave me my number about an hour before we sat down to do our interview. He sat down with me and my husband, and that's what we chat about. And, you know, we'll share that conversation with you. And then I want to have him back on to describe verbally each each number, so one through nine. That way you can listen to how he describes it, and maybe that'll help you figure it out. Now, you can take an online test, but I, hearing him verbally say it is awesome. In the meantime, you can check him out on Instagram, at Enneagram Hunter. That's his handle, like, because his name's Hunter, and it's the Enneagram. So it sounds like he's an Enneagram Hunter, but he's not. Um, I also have my favorite jeans in this episode. I'm going to share with you all two of my favorite ones, and then the secrets to denim care so that your jeans last longer. And then I got a really cool note from a listener that I wanted to share with y'all because it was a good reminder of empathy and kindness and how that can go a long way without us even knowing, and it can have a chain reaction. And we're all about that sort of stuff here on the podcast. So that's the little menu of what's to come. Let's get started. First thing. That's right. Ah. Excited to have my sister back on. She is yeah. you're sort of a regular on my podcast, sister. Basically. Yeah. It's my third time. Uh-huh. I think it's my third. Oh, wow. Is that it? I was thinking it'd be more like five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you had on more me or Ben or I don't know. I don't know. Ben is popular. Ben's going to become a regular. I know, which I can't believe it. That's he's, surprising. It's so surprising. He's so private. So I think actually he's going to be on next week talking adoption and infertility but after that, I may okay. lose him for a little bit. He kind of said, okay, I'll give you that one since a lot of people are asking. But after that, I might need a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So kind of catch him off guard sometimes. Yeah. So my sister is Christy. She's a mom of four, lives in Colorado, and she's just awesome. Her Instagram is at Christy Dozier, but she's sort of on a Instagram hiatus. But I she's got a lot of little nuggets up on her Instagram, lots of pictures with sometimes some cute stories that go with it. So y'all should definitely go check that stuff out. And that way you can see her and her family and what all we're talking about. But you've got a teenage daughter and then I have a daughter, Stashira, who's 11. So we're, you know, she's almost 12. So we're getting close to the teens. And Christy mm-hmm. and I were talking on the phone the other day and I was just, we were laughing about how we rebelled as teenagers. So we're going to talk about teenage rebellion here for a minute and I must say some of Christy's stories like make me (laughs) seem like an angel pretty much which is so surprising yes more rebellious than you (laughs) yeah because you're the sweet one and everyone always sees you as like quiet and you don't do anything bad and I'm like what anything bad she was worse than me like why don't we talk about the time that you had a shotgun pulled on you only after midnight. Yeah. Yeah, was, um, yeah, I snuck out a lot. And I don't know if I was, like, seeking some sort of major adventure in my life that just wasn't really being fulfilled. But I did. I mean, it started out low-key. I think one of the first times I snuck out, I toilet-papered someone's house with someone else in our neighborhood. And the way I got caught, though, was, you remember Mom used to buy mint green toilet paper? <laughs> Like everything in our house was green. We had green carpet, green wallpaper, forest green wall, forest green carpet, forest green countertops, forest green wallpaper, and then mint green paint in the bedrooms and dusty rose and mauve and all the things, all those colors of like early 90s, late 80s, yeah, whatever it was. And even our toilet paper was green. And so note to self, (laughs) if you have green toilet paper and you use it to go out and toilet paper someone's yard down the street and your mom goes on a walk the next day, she's probably going to notice your mint green toilet paper in the trees. (laughs) And you're going to get caught. (laughs) That was kind of my lightweight, um, you know, first early days of rebellion. And then it kind of graduated to sneaking out and walking up to the stop-and-go payphone. And calling cabs. Like, I don't know. I don't think you ever did that. No. And if my, one of my kids did that, I would be devastated. Uh, but I did it and uh, got caught a couple times being seen talking on a payphone at midnight by a neighbor <laughs> in a really, really close neighborhood. So another time I actually made it in the cab and over a few neighborhoods over those a few miles away um, and was knocking on a friend's window and her dad came out with a shotgun and drove me home. They were great parents. I mean, they loaded me up, drove me home, had a talk with mom. I don't think dad was there. No, he'd already moved Um, out, I think, at that point. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my rebellion kind of was starting around then. And I don't know if I was seeking attention or approval or what. I mean, there were times I fell asleep, fully clothed, like ready to sneak out, but I fell asleep and mom caught me like fully clothed, laying on my bed with the screen already off my window. Um, You know, just... (laughs) ready and waiting. And then the other time I can really think about was the time when one of my friend's uh, parents were out of town and I was spending the night with her. And she had invited a couple guys over and we were making margaritas, which I was like, oh my gosh, because they were juniors. I think I was a freshman. My friend was a sophomore. And we made 
we're making margaritas, but I probably didn't even know what we were doing. And then I was like, oh my gosh, we have to get rid of the evidence. You know, so I went outside and I threw a bottle down the drainage gutter. Well, another one of our neighbors was going on a walk at the time and she saw me throw the glass bottle in the, you know, gutter and it shattered and you know then all of a sudden mom's showing up at our house being like what are y'all doing and then I think by the time I think I learned from you I'm like I don't even mess with sneaking out because it's just not worth it like I think I saw you get grounded so many times from sneaking out that <laughs> I would just tell mom like hey mom I'm gonna go on a walk with some of my friends and she'd be like take a yeah. flashlight <laughs> like it just it was a different time and then Dad lived, dad moved back to Austin by the time I was in high school and there was no rules at his house. So I would just tell mom I was going over to dad's or I was going over to somebody else's house and then I would go to dad's and he would let me have whomever over and he would let us drink and have parties and it didn't even matter. Even if he was out of town, he would just say, okay, yeah, you can have people over, be careful. Like there were no rules. I remember one time I was having a party at his house, but I didn't tell mom that. And one of my friends was over and she had told her mom, I'm going over to Amy's. Well, her mom assumed it was my mom's house. So she called mom to like ask something or see about picking her up or something. And my mom's like, well, she's not here. She's like, oh no, she's with Amy. She said she was going over to Amy's. And my mom was like, interesting. So my mom did a little more digging and then she called me and it was like so loud. And I'm like, shh, everybody. (laughs) Like, And then I got busted having a party. Like two of my friends got arrested at dad's house once. Oh my gosh. I was in college, so I don't even know what all you did in high school. Oh, yeah. Dad was not in Austin when I was in high school. So I was pretty solo on that front. And, you know, we had mom who's like a detective. Yeah, mom figured figured a lot of things out. Yeah, she figured everything (laughs) out. She also had like a sixth sense where it was just like, well, you just have this sense, you know? It's like, oh, gosh. I know. You know, so she'd catch me and everything. She would have things that would wake her up, like, in the middle of the night, and just then she would be right. Like, there was a reason she was waking up, and it would be because one of us had done something wrong, and she just magically know. It was like Jesus was waking her up to tell her. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had that. And I think some of it, too, is dad not, you know, being like I look back on, you know, in high school, I obviously thought it was really cool that I had a dad that didn't really care. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was cool mm-hmm. that I could invite people over and I could be like the party house if I was at his house. But then as mm-hmm. I got older, I kind of was like, oh, shoot, I kind of wish dad had, you know, had rules with me. And I know that he loved us and cared about us. But for me, it would have shown had he set boundaries and gave me a curfew and not allowed certain things then Mm -hmm. later in life, I would have felt like he really cared and like loved me. And I feel like we, we need that. And we crave that whether we know it or not, we want that. And that's something Mm -hmm. I definitely needed. But again, at the time, I guess I thought it was so cool that I was, that I wasn't really feeling that. And then when I was in college and after college, I was like, wait, what the heck, dad, did you not care about me? Like why in the world, especially now that I'm a parent, I'm like, how in the world would you let me do that stuff? Like, did you not love me? And I think part of it was he felt guilty for leaving us. And so he just wanted to be cool. And he wanted us. Yeah. And I just don't think he, he knew, knew much better. You know, I mean, I think it takes, it, it, I think back to whenever I started kind of dating or boys kind of came in the picture in high school and 
um, different things. And there just was no expectations of the boy who was taking me out. You know, I think mom did the best she could. Um, but there wasn't like a father figure presence um, at the home. And I honestly never knew what I was missing. I mean, except for now looking back. And I think if you fast forward to when we first um, had young kids and you know, our oldest is a daughter and then we have three boys after that. And so uh, she was about five years old. I think I came across this book that Dennis Rainey wrote called Interviewing Your Daughter's Date. And it's a real short book, but it's great. And, um, you know, we only had a five-year-old at the time, but I read the whole thing in less than an hour and was nearly in tears at the end, just kind of going, I wish my dad would have been around or cared enough to, um, you know, have have spoken into the life of boys that came over the house or wanted to take me on a date or, or anything like that. And so I think that's a great resource for any of your listeners who maybe have young girls or even teenagers or whatever it is coming up, just on what does it look like to interview a boy that may want to come over and take your daughter out? Because it's certainly not comfortable, uh, but I think it's necessary. And I think our daughters want that. And I think they may not think they know, they may not know they want that at the time as they are a teenager, but me looking back on it and having a daughter of my own and realizing that I kind of missed out on that segment of what a parent could have put into my life, I just feel like I kind of missed out on that. And it has been something in the back of my husband and my mind as our daughter has gotten older and now she is a teenager, she's a sophomore in high school, um, we have kind of had boys enter in the picture you know, kind of brought an opportunity into my husband's life to kind of take him out and do that little interview type thing. So they had a moment like that. I want to get to the the 10 thing that inspired, like whatever you found online. Yes. Well, I'll just speak to, I mean, they did have kind of this initial interview. Nobody was driving yet. They were both just 15. And I think as um, Adeline's boyfriend turned 16 uh, just recently and got his license. So I think I was online and we're kind of revisiting, okay, what does this look like now that Adeline's boyfriend has his license? They still haven't gone out on a car date together. But I came across something that I thought was so hilarious, but also just awesome. Um, I think it's written by a pastor and it looks like people have kind of taken it online and made it their own in many ways. And my husband's been kind of working on taking it and making it his own um, in some ways. So I thought I was just read it. It's um, daddy's rules for dating his daughters. So if you want me to read the rules, I can. Yeah. Okay. And it may come across as a tiny bit dated, but at the same time, it's all very, um, but again, you can make your own, you can make your own, just use it as an idea. Yeah. Okay. So here it is. Ready? Ready. If you pull into my driveway and honk, you better be delivering a package because you're sure not picking anything up. (laughs) So, I mean, that's true. Yeah. Number two, rule number two, you do not touch my daughter in front of me. You may glance at her so long as you do not throw at anything below her neck. If you cannot keep your eyes or hands off my daughter's body, I will remove them. (laughs) Okay. Number three. So rule number three. I'm aware, okay, this is the one that's kind of dated because not so sure if people are sagging very much, you know, if they used to. Um, I'm aware that it's considered fashionable for boys of your age to wear their trousers so loosely they appear to be falling off their hips. Please don't take this as an insult, but you and all of your friends are complete idiots. Still, I want to be fair and open-minded about the issue, so I propose this compromise. You can come to the door with your underwear showing and your pants 10 sizes too big, and I will not object. However, in order to ensure that your clothes do not, in fact, come off during the course of your date with my daughter, I will take my electric nail gun and fasten your trousers securely in place to your waist. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, that's intense and dated. Not really. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, serious, so you might take that one into your own. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Twisted a little bit. Number four. I'm sure you've been told that in today's world, sex without utilizing a barrier method of some kind can kill you. Let me elaborate when it comes to sex. I am the barrier and I will kill you. <laughs> okay. Rule, <laughs> rule number five. It is usually understood that in order for us to get to know each other, we should talk about sports, politics, other issues of the day. Please don't do this. The only information I have you is an indication of when you expect to have my daughter safely back in my house. And the only word I need to hear from you on this subject is early. <laughs> Six. So... Rule number six, I have no doubt you're a popular fellow with many opportunities to date other girls. This is fine with me as long as it's okay with my daughter. Otherwise, once you've gone out with my little girl, you will continue to date no one but her until she's finished with you. If you make her cry, I will make you cry. <laughs> Rule number seven, as you stand in my front hallway waiting for my daughter to appear and more than an hour goes by, don't sigh or fidget. If you want to be on time for the movie, you should not be dating. My daughter's getting ready, a process that can take longer than painting the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Instead of just standing there, why don't you do something useful like change the oil in my car? Oh, yeah. Rule number eight. The following places are not appropriate for a date with my daughter. Places where there are beds, sofas, anything softer than a wooden stool. Places where there's darkness. Places where there's dancing, holding of hands, or happiness. <laughs> Places where the ambient temperature is warm enough to introduce my daughter to wear shorts, tank tops, midriff t-shirts, or anything other than overalls, sweater, a goose down parka zipped up to her throat. <laughs> Movies with a strong romantic or sexual theme are to be avoided. Movies that feature chainsaws are okay. Hockey games are okay. Old folks' homes are better. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, a lot of that is just silly, but... At the same time, I think reading it to your daughter or to your daughter's date or whatever could open up conversation. Yeah, no. And I think the moral of the story is just be intentional with our kids, um, have conversations, do uncomfortable things. But I think our kids, our kids want us to be involved. I agree. That's the moral of the story. And I mean, we were so rebellious. So, I mean, we're clearly going to have <laughs> issues with our kids. I mean, honestly, I think we were both pretty, pretty good, but we did have our moments. So. Um, okay, well, thanks for coming on, sister, and yeah, thanks for having me. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, love, right, you. love you. Bye. Second thing. So a good pair of jeans is a staple in my wardrobe, but sometimes it's a real bummer because jeans can be really, really expensive. But if we take care of the jeans, then we're good to go. I mean, it's something that you wear all the time, so you might as well invest in a good pair. And y'all ask me a lot, at least I see on Instagram or uh, even in my emails, like, what what brand of jeans do you wear? What are your favorite? And I will say the two that I am obsessed with right now, which I went over this a little bit in my Q&A episode that went up this Tuesday, but I'm going to dive more into it. But I'm a big fan of Citizens of Humanity, the Rocket High Rise Skinny Jeans. Rocket High Rise Skinny, that's my jam. And again, Citizens of Humanity, pricier jeans, definitely expensive, but I'm going to share with y'all how you can take care of your denim, make them last longer. Then I also love Madewell 10-inch High Rise Skinny Jeans. The new color that they came out with recently is Cordova Wash, and it's got buttons on the front. So really, I'm obsessed with the Madewell 10-inch High Rise Skinny button front jeans. But the wash lately, like a new wash they got is Cordova, and 
It's so great. I was actually wearing those in in a spa video that I posted about, you know, DIY making your shirts like do it yourself crop tops. That's up on the shop espoa page. If you ever like if you have a four things like joy seeker pullover and you want to crop it like I do, I have a whole tutorial up at shop espoa on the Instagram and the highlight reel. And whatever jeans I'm wearing there, I got tons of comments, which I know what I was wearing now, but I didn't think about it at the time. But everyone said, what jeans are you wearing? What jeans are you wearing? And it was these, the Madewell 10-inch high-rise skinny jeans and Cordova wash button front. So I will say the tip that they gave me at Madewell with the Cordova wash was to size down. So if you normally were to wear, you know, a 28, get a 27 or 29, 28, just go down a size in the Cordova. But any other wash or color, I would stick with your true-to-size size because I have a couple of other 10-inch high-rise button front from Madewell, and I wear my normal size. So Citizens of Humanity and Madewell, both great jeans, which I think I mentioned this on the podcast and the Q&A on Tuesday. At Madewell, you can turn in an old pair of jeans, and they will credit you $20 because they use that denim for Habitat for Humanity, like insulation when building houses, which is pretty amazing. So your old jeans are going towards something cool, and then you get $20 off your new pair of jeans. Can't beat that. And then the thing is, I went and bought them and I didn't know about that deal. So they let me take, I had my receipt and they said I had a week to bring back the other denim to get the refund. And they gave me the $20 back. So pretty awesome. So now I've got the secrets to denim care that I'm going to share with y'all just to make your jeans last longer. First of all, when you take off your Madewell jeans, like I went to the restroom a minute ago and I was reminded of it. Like I pulled out my pants and right there on the front pocket when you pull your pants down, Madewell has a little thing printed on the inside that said we should go 10 wears without washing our jeans. So every 10 wears, which I probably make it one or two and then I feel like I want to wash them, but they're saying 10 times. So if we want our jeans to last longer, definitely need to cut back on washing them because washing them too often will make the color fade faster and they just won't look as good. And when you do wash them, make sure you're washing them on cold, not warm, not hot. Make sure you do it cold. And it's even better if you can wash them by hand, but I don't have time for that. I'm putting them in the washing machine for sure, but just on cold. And then always air dry. I bought one of those racks. Like my laundry room isn't that big and I don't have a lot of space, but I get Bed Bath & Beyond or something. They have this rack that you hang over your laundry room door. And that thing is so amazing. I put all of my yoga clothes, Lululemon and stuff that needs to air dry on that and my jeans. And it's great. And since it hangs on the back of the door, it doesn't take up any space. Hold off on the bleach, which seems like an obvious one to me, especially if it's denim. But they even say if it's white denim, you don't want to bleach it because that can cause your white jeans to take on a yellowish hue. So fun fact, I didn't really know that, but I guess I don't really use bleach that often or wear white jeans that much. You can get rid of odors by sticking your jeans in the oven. What? Yeah. So I have heard about the freezer thing for years. Like if you're trying to make them go 10 wears without washing, but they start to smell weird. Like, you know, sometimes if you go to a barbecue restaurant, then you leave the barbecue restaurant and your clothes smell like the barbecue restaurant. Well, if you want to get rid of that odor, you know, you could stick them in the freezer, which I have done before. Just stick it in the freezer. You're good to go. Well, now I'm seeing you can stick it in the oven. You put your oven at 300 degrees and Fahrenheit and then place your folded jeans on one of the racks for an hour. Let them cool before wearing. <laughs> Thanks for the tip on that. So that kind of scares me because I feel like I just, it would be my luck that my jeans would catch on fire or something bizarre. So 
I would go with the freezer overnight method. But if any of you have ever tried the oven or you are brave enough to try this oven trick out, please update me because I feel like it would be awesome to know if that really works. So there you go. There's some denim care tips so that your jeans last longer. And then my favorite denim jeans at the moment, jeans that I know are worth the investment and the money. And you know, free people, I'm trying to think of other deals. Like those jeans are expensive, the Madewell and the Citizens for Humanity, but free people has some pretty good denim that's at a nice price point. And then there's another pair of jeans that Kelly from Velvet's Edge introduced me to. It's called Dr. Denim. And I'll have to confirm with her, but I think they were on Revolve. Revolve Revolve.com is the website and it's Dr. Denim. Yeah. Kelly's a good source for fashion as always. You can check out her website. It's velvetsedge.com. So check her out. All right. So a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays, like Mother's Day. You might be in that position right now, and that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry. Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga, Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day is May 12th, so make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price. $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right. So I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have. Uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer 100% organic cotton and it's $49.90 it could retail for $148 so that's 66% savings and with warm weather here you need to check out quince all you got to do is go to quince.com slash amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q u i n c e.com slash amy you're going to get free shipping Again, 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. A friend was over for dinner the other day, and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. 
And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Super excited. I've got Hunter Mobley here, and he is an Enneagram specialist. I mean, you're much more than that. So, But Gosh. I mean, I came across you because we were talking about the Enneagram yes. on the Bobby Bone Show. And you got wind of that. And then I got an email. Now, the Enneagram is something that if you're not familiar with, maybe you're listening right now and you're like, what is the Enneagram? I'm tuning out. Well, don't because it's really interesting and it's sort of like a thing right now. It is. It's kind of buzzing. It's buzzing for sure. And I would say I first learned about it a couple of years ago. My sister got really into it. Okay. She got you know, book and then she was taking the Enneagram test and then she was making me and my husband take the test and then she was assigning me my number without me even. I mean, she really got into it. And, you know, I kind of just dabbled in it here and there since then. But when you reached out, I was like, okay, I want to talk to him because I've taken the Enneagram test online, like the one from Enneagramminstitute.org or com or whatever. And I tested two different numbers. So I was kind of like, I get confused. And then some of my friends have their numbers and they feel pretty pretty good about them. Right. And and I even agree with the numbers that they are. And then I kind of felt like, oh, well, shoot, I don't know what my number is. So Hunter Mobley is here, which Hunter, give like a few fun facts about yourself. Oh, man. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Fun facts. I do teach the Enneagram, but... You know, I guess I'm just in a perpetual state of existential crisis, so I do a lot of things. So I teach the Enneagram, and I pastor a church in Nashville, and then I also teach at a law school here in Nashville, Belmont. So kind of a a jack-of-all-trades. I'm hoping one day to become a master of something, Uh, but I love the Enneagram. I love to – I've studied with master Enneagram teacher Suzanne Stabile, who some of your listeners have heard of. I'm sure. I mean, that's who I've listened to on different people's podcasts. So Suzanne and I got seated next to each other about six years ago at a dinner party, and we became fast friends, and I – she invited me to apprentice with her, and so now Suzanne and I uh, do some teaching together, and and I teach at her ministry center in Dallas, so – just excited to have this conversation and was so excited that you all were talking Enneagram on Bobby Bones show and it is buzzing and um, that's builds a lot of great opportunities to just 
build this language into conversations and to just share this tool with people. Right. It's a way, and I like that you say tool. It's something in your toolbox just to keep with you to to know yourself better and maybe know where you are at your core and then where you go in times of stress or in times of, what is the other one? Insecurity. Insecurity. Security. Yes. So- Hunter and I sat down, well, and my husband. I know, we had a great time. For an hour before we started recording a second ago. And Hunter helped me narrow down my number. And I have tested as a three and a four. And we kind of threw four out the window and decided that I'm a three. Yes. And, okay, oh, but before we get into me being a three (laughs) and and Enneagram being like hot right now, it's like the thing. And, well, so speaking of the Bobby Bone Show, Bobby's a one. Okay, great. We, we Good know to know, that. Yes. So we're talking about that. And then another thing we talked about on the show recently was like astrology. And somebody then like made the comparison of like astrology and Enneagram. Okay, okay. So they're not the same. No, they're not the same. And, and you know, the Enneagram is an ancient tool. It is. And yeah. it's also got, you know, the name gets it in trouble, right? And if you Google Enneagram, you see a figure that looks too much like a pentagram and it freaks Christians out, you know, yes. so... Uh, so I, I'm laughing because I'm a pastor and I've had to kind of wrestle with this with my church. But the Enneagram is an ancient spiritual wisdom tool that describes nine different personality types. And so a difference between the Enneagram and, and, and what you're describing as astrology or, or those sorts of tools, which which I don't know anything about, so I can't speak in, right. in any kind of way about that. But those are tools, I think, that are more oriented to being predictive about what What's going to happen to you, you know, where you're headed in life? The Enneagram is just a a way of knowing yourself. I mean, when you think about the Enneagram, really think more about all the personality tools you know about. Think about Myers-Briggs and DISC and Strength Finder and, you know, are you a tiger, lion, otter, turtle? You know, think about those tools. That's what the Enneagram ultimately is. The difference, though, is the Enneagram is sort of the ancient one of those tools and it's often taught with a faith tradition as well. Not always. But so if, if your listeners are kind of seeing the Enneagram, often they may be seeing it taught with a companion faith tradition because it's a way of just kind of knowing yourself, describing the ways in which we're broken and the ways in which we can find healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a compassion tool at the end of the day. We use it to just, first of all, build some self-compassion, just kind of loving ourselves better, just naming the things that we get wrong, the things that we get right, knowing that we're in good standing, that there's lots of people in the universe that share some of that with us, just kind of helps us to be a little bit more compassionate for ourselves. And then the other thing that the Enneagram does is, you know, we're, we're all kind of wired to feel like that everybody sees the world, the way that we see the world. Right. And, you know, sometimes if you've got a sibling, you think how in the world did the same two parents in the same home, we went to the same schools, we played the same sports, you know, how did we process life so differently? And so we kind of see that we're all so different, but we assume people kind of get it like we get it. Well, the Enneagram reminds us, no, people don't get it like you get it. Everybody's different. And it describes nine different ways of responding to the world. Nine different ways of seeing things, nine different ways of being in relationship. So I think the second thing is it just gives us some compassion for other people, helps us to set a place at the table for everybody to have a seat. Okay. That really helps because I wanted to make sure for people that were just hearing the word Enneagram and kind of this number thing that, yeah, it is different than, you know, I'm a Pisces and I'm supposed to be blah, 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 blah. Yes. So, okay. 
you sat down with me and my husband and you went through each of the, the numbers types, yes. mm-hmm, and different characteristics that they each have. And we kind of could eliminate them based on what you were saying. And some we could throw out immediately. I was like, oh, nope, not me, not me, not me. And then, so just to give people an example of yes. when they take the test or if they could find someone to, uh, you know, right. speak the Enneagram, which I know then. Suzanne has some audio. Yes, she has some great audio. can listen to, yeah. and that's who you, you know, exactly. you were that's her who I'm apprentice. With. Yes. yes. So where where can people find those? Do you know? Yeah. So Suzanne's got a website called lifeinthetrinityministry.com. Okay. Lifeinthetrinityministry.com. She has a million hours of audio teaching about Enneagram 1.0 all the way to Enneagram 10.0. So I would recommend that. Yes. And I've listened to some of that stuff because my friend got some of the, you know, MP3s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yep. that's what, yeah, I think. Yeah, and then she emailed them to me and my sister. And then my sister and I listened to them on a road trip. So I recommend that because yes. I feel like hearing it and then because t- taking the test is so, and honestly, I think sometimes what mood are you in the day you took the I test well, and kind of really knowing that core part of yourself. Yes. And I think, I mean, I'm super excited today that you at least gave me a number of my core to start with. Right. And then now I know to really, I can go dive into that more and really right. feel. Kind of build on that. Feel that out. And that's, I think the Enneagram is not principally about taking a test. It's historically been used in more of an oral tradition kind of way. So in teaching. Yes, in teaching so that everybody has their own journey of self-discovery. Nothing's coming in to try to tell you you're one of these types you're able to sort of hear all the types and they all are going to sound equally good and equally bad. Okay. But we focus on the bad. Okay, Let's just get that out of the way. Because like even any number, it was like you read the first thing you read, you read all the bad and you're right. like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to be that. I mean, I guess I am that, but I don't want to be right, that. Right. So just let's use me as an example for people uh, listening. Like I'm a three. And so let's put out there, like, what are, Let's get the bad out of the way of the three. All right, because there's so much good. So good. We'll get okay, the bad okay. out of the way so we can get to the good. Yeah. The bad for threes, and I even hate using that word, but you know, threes are really, really adaptable. So sometimes on the bad side, threes can be described as chameleons. You know, they can be described as they're one thing in this context and another thing in this context because they're so good at being whatever the context needs them to be. Yes, I can conform. You know, I, it's, it almost like sometimes scares me how well I can like yeah. navigate from group to group. And it's kind of the best part of us is the worst part of us. So that's what helps you be able to to really achieve some great things and to be in great relationships with a diverse variety of people, to have a lot of different kinds of things in your life. But on the bad side, it's where threes lose touch with their truest sense of identity and who who are they really and what do they really want and what do they really want to do in life? Sometimes threes lose that because they're just so intuitively good at adapting to the context. So I've, I've got a three, Laura, who she discovered one day, she, she came home from work and she said, I want to be a counselor. I want to get my master's in counseling. Her husband said, well, hold on. That's really different from what we've talked about in the past. And what Laura realized was she just happened to be working in a counseling center at that moment and realized that if you're going to do well working in a counseling center, you better have a master's in counseling. So she kind of lost it. She had to walk back and say, hold on, but this is just a temporary job. This isn't my truest sense of identity. This isn't really what I want to do long term. So that's kind of the, the thing that threes are invited to watch out for is what have you sacrificed 
of who you are at your core, core, core in order to be successful in just whatever context life dropped you in. So, and when my husband was here, you were talking about how threes can be because they're, uh, you know, can be chameleon-like and they don't really, I, I feel like I'm a vulnerable person and I try to share a lot on this podcast right. too and try to be honest and and, and be relatable. Right. And and some of that may come from me conforming to my job on the Bobby Bone Show is right. because Bobby always wanted us to be, to share. Right, which share invites lives, you to be Which vulnerable. invites me to take on that role. Right. But would I be that if I wasn't taking on that role? I don't know, but I think that's a that's a thing where I've really just, I put it all out there now because I want, that's what's good for my job. Right. And, and I want to be successful at my job. So it's like, well... I, you know, and I want listeners to not feel like they're alone and um, that we're all in this together. But again, that's another layer of being successful right. at being on the radio. So, ooh, it's kind of a catch me too. Like, but then I feel like it's authentic. Right. But, but, but I am doing it because it's it's what I do. But you, you said yeah. something interesting when my husband was here about how we don't allow people to really peel back everything and get deep inside. Although I share a lot. And then personable, not personal is okay. a phrase that is sometimes used for threes. It's like huh. threes are really good at being personable and really good at making relationships and and being vulnerable when they need to be vulnerable. But maybe not being deep. But maybe not kind of, you know, and again, we're talking about average to kind of unhealthy space. So when you're healthy, you're doing great. But in average space, right, threes can kind of not be totally personal and kind of keep relationships a little bit at a distance with a little bit of kind of protection and guardedness between the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned something when my husband's in here about him being like, Hey, whoa, you're, you're on this trajectory going this way with your goals and kind of just moving on in life. But I'm back here. Hello. Right. Like, and the beautiful thing for threes, because threes are connected to the heart. So threes are feelers, which means that threes do charge ahead toward the goal and sometimes they kind of move past people and leave people in the wake. But threes then go back and go back and get the people. Other numbers on the Enneagram kind of forget to go back and get the people. But so that's the thing that threes have. Threes are charged toward goals. They're moving forward. Sometimes that means they kind of do charge ahead of everybody else with them. But here's a disclaimer about anybody <laughs> listening to me thinking that like I'm charging forward with my goals. I have a nine wing. Right. And in times yes. of stress, I to give you an example without, you know, that that's understandable is I start to do check things off my list that right. don't really matter, like cleaning my house over and over and vacuuming, you know, multiple times. Like right. I'm, so I'm in still stress, doing and stress, yes. and I feel like I've been in a stressful season for yeah. a while now, yeah. and I feel like certain things overwhelm me quickly, and I want to take on a lot of different things, and I'm trying. But yesterday's a really good example of I was literally paralyzed by my day, mm. and I froze in the kitchen, and I told my husband, I was like, I don't know how to manage today, but I ha I have to get through all this, but and then he saw me starting to do dishes and then getting out the vacuum. And right. he's like, well, that's not going to help. And I was like, actually, yes, it is. It's going to make me feel better if I can vacuum right. and make the bed and do whatever. So, but that was me. That was me being my that nine. Was you, that was so, so exactly for threes, when they're in stress, they're able to go toward nine and kind of get some extra behavior from nine space. 
And so that's exactly right. That's where threes can kind of mellow out a little bit on the on the good part of that. But then on the low part of that is where threes can just kind of be busy doing stuff, but not really the real stuff that needs to be done. Is you know, nines can kind of get lost doing trivial tasks sometimes yeah, yeah. and miss. That's why the I feel like things. I'm living in a nine. Like yeah. I'm a three at the core, and but that, I'm man, I'm living in a the nine. A lot of us, a lot of us are spending more time, especially in seasons of life where we're raising kids and we've got families and careers are building. We're spending a lot of our life in our stress number because life is stressful. So so the the good about that is you don't have to be in the bottom of your stress number. You can go get the top, the healthiest pieces of nine to take care of yourself, which means you can kind of go get the a little bit mellowed out, a little bit to see, see two sides to everything, um, kind of pause for a minute before you charge ahead. You can go get some of that healthy stuff in nine space to kind of just take care of yourself, do a little self-care. You don't have to go to the bottom. That's why we have the Enneagram to just build language. So, you know, when you're healthy and when you're not healthy without some and then tool, it's a tool. Yeah, yeah. Without some tool to tell us what does it look like to be healthy in my number? And what does it look like to be unhealthy? We too often than not, we end up in unhealthy without just some tool to give us that language. Yeah. So do you think when, you know, as a three, if I don't, and I've had friends even tell me before, I don't, that I maybe I'm not, and they're sort of new friends. I just know in my lifetime, I've heard multiple times from people that they don't really feel like they know me mm. and that I don't really know them. Yeah. And there are people that I've been friends with for a long time and that I would say they're, and this is a realization I've had about myself that's been actually an emotional yeah. journey and I'm trying to figure out how to, sure. I don't even, I feel like I'm getting emotional right now, but I want to dig out of it. I really do. But I don't, I feel like some, I feel like I don't take time and I don't know if it's because I'm not letting them into all of me that I don't take the time to even though I really do care right but they don't feel like right and I've had them voice to me that they don't feel like I care so it's fine yeah and I'm like oh it just makes you feel like such a bad Mm. friend and I still wouldn't say okay well I still consider those people really close friends sure and you know once it's kind of was brought to my attention later in life, I've I've remembered certain instances instances in college where mm. it was said to me um, by a roommate and someone I thought I was super close to, but I was like, "Gosh, so is that is that connected?" Yes, it is connected. And man, I just want to <laughs> come across the table and give you a hug. <laughs> such a good compassion point and such a good self compassion point. It's connected in this. For threes, one of the one of the kind of invitations for threes is to lean into the idea that only the real you is memorable. And in relationships, because you've spent so much time adapting and kind of trying on some different stuff and trying on some different behaviors and trying on some different contexts, it means that there's kind of this accumulated set of stuff that provides a a protective barrier to some of the real you kind of things. And so sometimes people intuit that. And sometimes people feel like, I don't know if I'm getting the deepest, to the deepest places in a three. And so some of the invitations for a three there are to kind of realize that the rest of the world isn't always moving as quickly as you're moving. 
Um, threes also have a drawer in their life. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Called feelings to be dealt with later. Because threes are feelers. They're deep feelers. Yes, They're connected feel. to feelings. But threes just intuitively learn that feelings kind of slow us down a little bit. They can kind of get us lost. Feelings can kind of stop us from being successful if we just get lost in the feeling. So threes have learned to just kind of say, hey, I see that feeling. I feel that feeling. But before I do anything else with that feeling, let me kind of put that over here for a minute and keep moving. And I'll come back and get that feeling later, except that you never do. And so threes are kind of invited to to process feeling in real time. That's one of the big lifetime journeys for threes is what does it look like with your friends, with yourself, in the world to process feelings in real time, not to move faster through feeling than the people who are around you can move, not to put feelings over in a drawer to be dealt with later, but to actually hold the feelings as they come, process them in real time, because things that don't get processed in real time kind of get us stuck. Okay. And then once I start to implement that, it, it, it should transfer over the more I open up or allow myself, then the more will that help me? What will help me to show friends or try to get to know for like, what can I be doing? And this is not something you necessarily have the answer to, but as you're saying, and I'm like, okay, so if I work on myself, that will help me then work on how to be closer to friends and let them know, like I am thinking of them and I do care and I'm totally, but I'm just kind of on a, I yeah. guess I've just gotten the impression from them that they think that I'm just kind of on my own yeah. tra- trajectory and yeah. I've got a lot going on and it's fine. Yeah. Like, you don't have time for me. It's fine. Right, and I'm right. like, oh, wait, but, right, I, but, I, so, but I want to. And one yeah. of my best friends from high school, Andrea, I mean, we, we, I mean, she's felt this way since basically we were 18 yeah. and here we are 38. So 20 years of friendship. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've got to figure this out. Yeah. So I feel like maybe I've got some work to do on myself and then that will help me with my friendships and like really knowing them, knowing me on a deeper level and me knowing them. Right. Yes. On a yes. Level. And, and just to mirror back to you, you know, because we've all got our, our junk, right? So I'm a two. And what, what I have friends tell me through the years is, is not exactly what you're describing. Your friends tell you what I've had friends tell me is, Hey, it, you, you're requiring too much from this friendship. Like, like you're smothering me in this relationship. There's, Twos kind of get enmeshed in friendships and they kind of can curate codependent friendships. And so we've all kind of got, you know, just our ways in which if we if we don't connect with the deepest, truer parts of ourselves, we get lost in personality. You know, we use the Enneagram not to make personality big. You know, sometimes people worry like, ah, is this just navel gazing? You know, we just kind of all, is this fun cocktail party talk about what's your number? No, the point of the Enneagram is actually to give language to personality so that you can manage it rather than be managed by it. You know, if we don't have some language to know what it looks like to be healthy and unhealthy in our personalities, our personalities will win the day. They get really big, you know, and we just, we don't, we, we, we don't stop to kind of disconnect from them so that we can get in touch with just some more vulnerable places inside of ourselves. Love it. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for, I mean, I feel thank like I could you. talk another, you know, 10, 20 minutes, but I we just, um, we'll have to figure out, I mean, 
if you know, I have a Q and A thing. Right. I get questions from people. So after they listen to this, I may get some questions. Yes. Is it cool if I yeah. send you some of those questions I'd and then you to. help me answer them? Totally. totally. And then I can fine. readdress them on a on our Q and A episode. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming, Thanks for Hunter. Having and me. where can people find you? Thank you. So people can find me at Enneagram Hunter. Enneagramhunter.com on Instagram, on Facebook. I post a live video every Wednesday, a 10-minute video, where oh, wow. we just talk about something with the Enneagram. Okay. And so Enneagram Hunter, I'd love for you to check me out and uh, jump into some of the workshops I'll do in town or just some of the conversation we're having online. And it's funny because your name is Hunter, but yes. it sounds like you're an Enneagram Hunter. I know. Hunter. It's kind of got All right. I don't know if that's Enneagram good or bad. Enneagramhunter.com. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm going to share an email that I got with y'all as one of my things, which, you know, I do have a Q&A email that segment that I do on Tuesdays, and then I do an email shout out at the end. So occasionally emails may make it in as an actual thing because this one just touched me so much. And Katie, it was so special. And thank you for taking the time to email and share with me an update on something that happened. And I'm going to read her email, and I hope that it will just do a couple of things for y'all. Uh, it's that sometimes doing like the smallest act for someone can be really, really special. So you'll hear in the email that she had reached out to me, Mary, saying that she couldn't wait to buy a cancer fighter pullover for her and her grandpa. She wanted to buy matching ones, but that she was having to save up the money. Well, I mean, we can't always do this. And the point of telling the story has nothing to do with that we gifted her these shirts. That's not it at all, but it's just part of the story. We were able to just send them to her because I saw that she was saving up. And again, we can't always do it, but we were able, hey, why not? Let's let's mail it to her. Like this is something close to me battling cancer with a loved one, went through it with my mom, currently going through it with my dad. In fact, he's the one that inspired the cancer fighter pullover, which says chemo, radiation, cancer, suck it. So the fact that she wanted it to wear with her grandpa just, I don't know, really resonated with me. So Mary and I decided to send her the shirts. And it really meant a lot to her. But as you'll see in the email, what happened and then kind of what she did to pass that blessing on to somebody else. And it's just a reminder that little small acts that we do, we can we can really impact someone. And we may not think that it'll make that big of an impact, but it does. So if you ever feel the nudge or the urge to do, do something for someone, even though it seems little, just go ahead and do it because it's not... It's not going to hurt. Nothing has to be like we talk about all the time. It doesn't have to be a grandiose gesture. It can just be something small. And the email, she also brings up Pimp and Joy, which hopefully at this point, y'all are familiar with what Pimp and Joy is, but I'll set it up quickly in case you're not. But that's something that started because of my mom's battle with cancer, and we've since lost her. But she was Judy B. Pimp and Joy because she chose Joy during her battle, and it's just, it's a way to spread joy to others. And I feel like in this email, what Katie ends up doing was her pimp and joy to a coworker. She spread that joy and um, with a cancer fighter pullover. Anyway, here's the email. Hey, Amy, love your podcast. It qualifies as the highlight of my every Thursday and now Tuesday. You may recall an email that I sent back in November when I reached out regarding my grandfather's newfound cancer and how excited I was to get us both matching cancer fighter sweatshirts once I had saved up enough to buy them and then also go visit him in South Carolina. 
You and Mary were so generous and kind and sent me matching Cancer Fighter sweatshirts for us on the house. Words cannot express my gratitude for that. I had promised to tag the shot forward in an Instagram picture of us pimping some joy in the sweatshirts once I was able to make my way to him. Gramps was doing so well, stronger than he had been in months. I told him and my meemaw about the Cancer Fighter sweatshirt waiting for him, which I was so excited for him to wear. And then the morning of February 8th, the day after my birthday, he had just wished me a happy birthday on the phone the day before. The nurses at the hospital were wheeling him down the hallway to his physical therapy appointment, and he unexpectedly took his last breath. When I got the phone call, the thought that truly shattered me was that I never got to give him his sweatshirt. It meant so much to me to have that for him. It sounds silly, and I guess the sweatshirt was more symbolic, but golly, that didn't make the sight of it on my kitchen table any less painful. Anywho, it wasn't going to do any good just sitting there, and Gramps was no longer able to enjoy it in the way we had hoped. I wanted to still extend some grace and joy somehow, which brings me to the whole point and explanation of the picture attached to this email. One of my managers at work, Sean, lost his mom to cancer a few years ago. He had always taken quite an interest to my Cancer Fighter sweatshirt, which I've worn way too often since I received it. So I decided to bring the other one to work one day. I told him it was originally sent from you guys and intended from my grandpa, but since he was no longer with us, someone ought to gain some joy out of it. I told him I knew his mom had lost her battle too, and hopefully this would help keep the good things alive. He cried tears of joy in response. Despite our painful losses, our hearts were both full in a way. Your mission is so successful and its power to bring good, even during the dark times. I can't thank you enough. Proud pimper of joy, Katie. Katie Rude. I think that's how you say your last name. R-O-O-D. So Katie, oh, like, I read that email when you sent it, and I got emotional, and now reading it out loud, I got emotional because, I mean, it touches me twofold because obviously Mary and I are so, you know, grateful, thankful that you, that that shirt means so much to you. Like that means a lot to us to hear that because we create this stuff and put it out there to mean something for y'all. And then also that particular pullover gives back to Haiti, which is something near and dear to our hearts. But then also on the pimp and joy level of you just wanting to, you know, take the bad and make it good somehow and spread joy to someone else, even though, I mean, that pullover was special. It was intended for your grandpa. Like it might be something you would want to hold on to, but you decided, nope, someone else needed it. And the fact that it brought Sean some comfort to have it and be able to have it because he lost his mom to cancer. And it makes me think of me losing my mom to cancer and how she would just love this story so much. And uh, I just, I like hearing full circle moments where, you know, she, she said, in the email, despite our painful losses, our hearts were both full in a way, which I totally get that. Totally get it. I mean, you still have the hurts, but yet you feel this, this fullness because of this experience. So thank you for sharing this email with us, Katie, and hopefully it'll be encouragement to others that good can come from hard times and that small acts of kindness really can make a huge difference. 
Okay, I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. A big thank you to my sister for coming on and Hunter Mobley. Don't forget you can check him out at Enneagram Hunter. Oh, and then my sister's Instagram. I'll recap that one for you. She's at Christy Dozier, C-R-I-S-T-I-D-O-Z-I-E-R. I love my sister. She's a really good writer. You can even go back and look at some of her old Instagram posts where she has little nuggets of wisdom. She's good at stuff like that for sure. I really appreciate y'all listening. I hope the jeans, the denim tip stuff was helpful for y'all today and that you enjoyed the email note that I shared with y'all, which speaking of emails, this is now the time where I do an email shout out. And this one comes from Susan. Amy, I started to listen to your podcast last Thursday and just today got to your episode 16 in which you were challenging everyone to jot down four things that they're grateful for each night. Funnily enough, on Friday night, my husband and I went out for dinner. He's previously heard me speak about you, your adoption process, and Pimp and Joy, so I brought you up again for two reasons. One, for him to help me brainstorm the perfect four things tote for myself, still working on it, but can't wait to order and bring it on vacation next month. And two, I told him that the four things structure of your podcast made me think that while I'm terrible at journaling, I wanted to reflect each day and just jot down four things in my daily planner that made me happy, even if insignificant. For example, my first four things, 60 days in, popcorn, jokes, Boston Commons. Since then, while he does not jot his down, I do ask him, so what are your four things today? Life can be crazy and it's easy to focus on the negatives at the end of the day. Taking a moment to think of four things and forget the rest brings us laughter, smiles, and just a reminder that everything is actually quite all right. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Love your podcast and who you are, Susan. So thank you, Susan, for sharing that. I just thought it was a good reminder to all of us that we can take a moment to focus on four things that we're thankful for, and it really can shift our attitude. Boom, just like that. And it could be a fun little thing for you to use to bond with your husband like Susan is doing. Yeah, like I don't think my husband would really ever write them down, but yeah, it could be an activity. My husband and I have been doing it with our kids. Like when we sit at dinner, we're like, okay, everybody, let's come up with four things that were the highlight of our day that we're grateful for. And the kids play along. So it can be something that you use at home too. But definitely, if you're jotting stuff down at night before bed, like I recommended in episode 16, you can use the hashtag four things gratitude. And I'll see it on Instagram. I've already been seeing some of y'all post it. And it's super cool to see what y'all are grateful for at the end of the day. And then I don't know, research says I'm not an expert. But if you do that before bed, that you sleep better and like wake up in a better mood. But I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you, Mike D. Thank you, Elizabeth. And as always, shout out to Walker Hayes for this awesome theme song. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. 
No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 